Coming up in Need to Know, we review In Case You Forgot by Frederick Smith and Chaz Lamar. In all the feels, we celebrate the first anniversary of this iconic podcast. And in Gotta Do, we return to our list of 22 things you've got to do in 2022 by centering the tradition of taking a week off work. The podcast that encourages you to know, feel, and do to live your best life. This is episode 53 of Ward and Webster. Happy anniversary, Bianca. Happy anniversary, Isaiah. <laughs> so wait, before I get your three words, I, I couldn't remember the name of that song. It goes, this is our anniversary. It's, it's, Who sings it's, that? Tony, Tony, Tony. And the song is called <laughs> Anniversary. Alexa, play Anniversary by Tony, 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 please. <laughs> don't do it because we don't have the rights. <laughs> Damn it. Why can't we? So this is what I'm going to buy them. I don't know. So this is what I'm going to do, Bianca. So I'm going to, obviously I'm going to edit this later. I'm going to see how much it costs to get the rice to like five seconds of that song. And if we can afford it, I'm going to buy it. And you all will be hearing it right now. So if you're hearing the song while we're talking, that means we bought the rice. If you're not hearing it, that means we couldn't afford it. It was too damn expensive. And Raphael Sadiq said, y'all are not getting that shit. That's the song. That's our song. Because when I think about it, that's that's the song that plays in my head. (laughs) It really is. I mean, it is an iconic jam. (laughs) All right. So we're going to start with letter A. We are. Give me the the three A's for this week. I am amazing, authentic, and awe-inspiring. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with that. So we have a really a jam-packed show today. We're going to be Ooh. celebrating ourselves in all the feels. So we're going to put that to the side for the moment. And let's get into this intro because her name is Katanji Brown Jackson, but you can call her Justice. Bianca Alexis Ward, Uncle Jojo. <laughs> he he said. said, and here's who y'all getting. Oh my God, what do you think? I am. So when you sent me that text last night, I was probably half asleep when you were like, he announced. I was like, announced what? I was like, oh shit, I forgot that this was like happening. The world has been in shambles this week. So trying to keep up with what's going on has been a lot. Um, But I was like, yes, justice. He said, I told y'all it was going to be a black woman and a black woman is going to be on the throne. I'm excited. So she's 51 years old. She currently sits on the DC federal uh, appellate court. She was just nominated to that court last year by Joe Biden. She was confirmed um, in the Senate last year with the help of three Republican votes. And I think part of the reason why uh, President Biden is nominating her again is because he thinks he might be able to get those same three votes um, for her this time. She was educated at Harvard Law School and she clerked for Justice Stephen Breyer, who if she's confirmed, she will be replacing. She does have two kids. She is uh, married to a, a doctor and she used to be a public defender, which is a huge deal because as you know, 
Um, a lot of folks have been saying, you know, there's too many prosecutors on the Supreme Court. There's too many of this, too many of that. Can we get some folks who are a little bit more steeped in community, who understand what it's like to be on the other side of the table? And so she was a public defender. She used to defend people who were accused of crimes. And so that I think that's a great perspective to have on the Supreme Court. Um, and so I am, I'm truly excited uh, about her being nominated. She was the person that everyone kind of expected. There were other women under consideration, but she was really the front runner the whole time, Bianca. And, and so here we are, the president has unveiled her and now she'll begin this process of meeting with the senators and going through all of that. As you all know, the Democrats do control the Senate. So if all 50 of them stick together, she will be confirmed. And what a day, what a day it will be. This is very, this is very exciting. Um, I think the idea of her being a public defender is, or yes, that being her, her role and her background does bring a very unique perspective. So um, interested to see how that also helps to shape some, some decisions that she may have to make in the future. Um, Again, black women will save the world. So Justice Brown Jackson is is here to do that. And I am, I am, you know, there were a lot of folks, and I think we had talked about it in a previous episode um, when they did a survey about whether or not he should nominate a black woman. And the percentage was actually um, very low. It was like 26% of people said that, yes, it should be a black woman. And then the other 70 four percent you know on math um was saying that it should be open to everyone that he should consider all type of of candidates or whatever folks um for the role and no <laughs> the answer is no and and here we are and i am excited did you catch the significance of february 25th bianca no and when you put that here i was like i am still trying to recover from 2-2-2022 <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me explain it to you. So it was exactly two years ago on February 25th, 2020, when President, I'm sorry, when candidate Joe Biden announced on a debate stage in South Carolina that if elected, he would nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. He did that on February 25th, 2020, exactly two years ago from today. We're recording this on the 25th. So that was two years ago. One year ago today on February 25th, we started this podcast. Warden Webster started on February 25th, 2021. And on February 25th, 2022, the president kept his word and chose a black woman to be on the Supreme Court. All three of those events happened on February 25th. And here we are on February 25th. <laughs> That's what you call full circle, my dear. <laughs> I had no idea when, yeah, I child, you know, I don't know, no, again, I don't know math and or dates, but um, I would like to believe that we had some part in making this happen. I don't know, I'm gonna <laughs> give us some credit, <laughs> but I love it. Full circle for sure. It was probably written in the stars and I just wasn't paying attention. Pluto's return, she, <laughs> she's doing a lot. She is, Pluto is turning it. Let's switch gears to the Motion Picture Academy. So girl, the Oscars said that this year for the 94th ceremony, they are going to, in an effort to increase viewership, 
they're actually going to present eight awards before the ceremony even began. They're going to record those eight awards. And then during the actual show, they're going to show us clips of the people winning these awards in the pre-show. In other words, for certain categories that they deem to be quote unquote minor categories, they're not gonna present them live during the show. They're gonna show us just the clips of the people winning. Let me tell you the eight categories that they're gonna cut from the live show. And then y'all can tell me how much bullshit this is. I have it up if you'd like me to read. Yeah, Bianca, give us those eight categories, please. In no particular order, <laughs> documentary short, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animated shorts, live action shorts, and sound. So obviously the members in those branches are, when I say hot, they are red hot. Because as you know, these are most of the people that we don't recognize. So these aren't famous people. Literally their only moment in the sun is to win their awards in front of the entire academy, and then that's their recognition. So they are pissed, as, as anyone would be, that they would be cut from the live show. And actually, I enjoy the Makeup and Hair Award, and I am, I am very upset that it's not going to be included as, as well with these other categories, because when you make a film, it's not just about the people in front of the camera. It's all the elements of filmmaking that make a film. So like, just because, you know, Meryl Streep is, is the reason why we watch the show. That doesn't mean that the people that are editing her, that are doing her hair, that are doing the sound aren't as important to the film. I just cannot believe, Bianca, that the Academy is going down this road. And who in the, and why do they think that people who aren't watching the show or don't care about the Oscars are suddenly going to start watching just because they cut out these eight awards? Like, like what audience of people are like, oh yeah, now I'm going to watch. <laughs> moment of transparency um when i saw this list i was like okay uh, maybe original score like i'm also trying to remember like did they were they showing these live before but to hear you tell it clearly they were are they cutting them for time or is it just to increase viewers they 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 say that they're doing this in an effort to draw more viewers back because last year the ratings were the worst that they've ever been now I don't think that the ratings were the worst that they've ever been because of the awards that they were presenting. I just think it was a pandemic. People hadn't been going to the movies. Yeah. I think that that's the reason why. Mm -hmm. So, but my point remains, I can't, I don't know a single person who's going to start watching it again just because they cut these awards. I do recall though, in the past, I feel like they've, they've done this. Like I remember seeing Oscars when they showed um where they showed clips or kind of highlighted no. so they've tried different things so so two things they did so one year they presented them in the aisles which i thought was was <laughs> rude and offensive <laughs> you're As not even worthy of the they stage. were trying to save time by like presenting them in the audience and then another year they had they had floated the idea of doing it during the commercial break and then when you come back from the break they would just tell you who won but people were so mad at that that they decided not to do it at the last minute so they played around with the quote unquote minor awards for a while because they know that most people tune in for like the major awards mm -hmm. but again you can't have film without all of these different elements and the whole point of this is to is to honor everybody and I think another reason that people, another thing that people might not remember, understand, when they first started doing the ceremony and putting it on TV, the whole point of bringing in the actors 
was to draw the eyeballs, was to make people want to watch. Because essentially, the, the actors only account for four of the categories. So mm -hmm. think about it. There's 23 categories and only four of them are acting. So that means the vast yeah. majority of the category are non-actors. So what they do is they use the actors as the star power to get people to want to see all the other people get awards. So that's that's kind of the point of it. It didn't even dawn on me that only four were acting. <laughs> four yeah. categories. I know, like, just to hear you say it. I don't know. It's different. It's different coming from you. Um, I'm still going to watch. Uh, yes, I hear <laughs> that. Again, I knew this was going to sound petty coming from me. But um, I want to, you know, I want people to get their things. Um, I don't know if this. I don't know. I don't know what will increase viewership. I think maybe it will be higher um, this year because again, folks return to the movies or a lot of these movies were on streaming platforms and people got to see them, et cetera. So, um, I mean, for no other reason, Will Smith. Uh <laughs> One last thing I'll say, I don't understand why they're so obsessed with getting people to watch the show who aren't interested in the show. So like you and I watch the show, we're looking forward to it. So they really should be catering to people like us. People who don't care about awards, don't care about awards. So they're not gonna watch. So, but they keep, for whatever reason, they are hell bent on getting people to care who don't care. And then they turn <laughs> off those of us who do care. It's a very weird approach because I, I, I don't understand it. I think though, I think the the excitement, the hype of the Oscars, like all of that, I think has just gone down over time. Like I remember once before I did care, hearing about like Oscar watching parties or people would have, you know, these themes and make their predictions and, you know, do do all of that kind of stuff. Um, I don't I don't see or hear about any of that anymore. I think they were really hurt in uh, by the Oscar So White scandal. I mean, that was some really bad uh -huh. PR for them. Yeah, and they. But they it was also it. true. It was true, and they <laughs> they made some corrections. They were like, "Okay, this shit ain't cute." So they they changed course, and we have seen more nominees of color uh, come out. We've seen more people of color winning, and so they knew to in order to be sustainable, they had to change. And so I get that. And so maybe they say, you know, the the ratings are on the decline. We've got to do something to get the ratings back up. So. I, I guess you could, I suppose you could argue that you can't keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So now they're gonna try something else. My heart goes out to the people who do the editing and the sound and the, and the hair and makeup. Mm -hmm. They, now their moment has been cut in favor of, of, of more ratings. That's a really shitty trade-off in, in mm -hmm. my view. Um, and that's just all I'm gonna say about that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. We're moving right along, Black History Month. So this is our final installment, but as you all know, this month we've been celebrating Black podcasters as a way of honoring Black History Month. And today in our final installment, I'd like to share with you one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Jamil Hill is Unbothered. Now, first let me say, um, this is a very popular podcast. She's a very popular person. B and I like to uphold folks who, who, who you know, need to be, you know, what's the word, uh, promoted, like, like Jamil Hill doesn't need us out here promoting her show, <laughs> but it it's so good that it's I that I so good I couldn't help but include this one. So if this isn't on your list of, of podcasts that you're listening to, um, you should add it. Let me give you the description of the podcast first, and then I'll tell you why why I love Jamil. 
Emmy award-winning journalist and Webby award winner, Jamil Hill shares her unbothered, nuanced opinions on news, pop culture, politics, and sports. She also conducts intimate interviews with some of the biggest names and most thought-provoking contributors to culture, music, and entertainment. New episodes air every Monday. She's on Spotify and a bunch of other platforms in the same places where you can find Ward and Webster. So I love that plug. <laughs> Things I love about Jamil. So first and foremost, she is a 49er fan and Bianca, as you and our listeners know, <laughs> ride or die with all 49er fans. So she's a member of the faithful and, you know, that's all you need to know, really. But also I, so she's had men on her show, but when I tell you this is like 90% plus black women, the one, the person she had on last week is your good girlfriend, Corey Bush. Like she brings on people that not only yes. we love, but that are really thought provoking. I mean, it's just a great, great show. Mm -hmm. So before I get into some of my favorite episodes, um, what do you, what would you, how would you describe your affinity for this particular podcast? Real, honest. Um, she, so I feel like she doesn't hold back in her questions, but I, I feel like folks come on the show ready to talk about all of the things. Um, during the earlier election seasons, like she had, um, you know, Cory Booker was on there, Stacey Abrams, the Stacey Abrams interview is, is really good. Um, she has had some really just great conversations with people. I mean, yes, like very, some very famous like A-list folks and, and politicians, but then some people that I didn't even know about. Um, it is really, she, it is so good. Erica Alexander is definitely one of my favorite episodes that she did that, that she, again, her show comes out every Monday. So there are a lot of episodes that you can <laughs> get into, but I would even tell folks to like scroll through, like if you have a favorite celebrity and they're black and amazing, they've been on her show, go check it out. So Jamil has done 178 episodes. So it is really hard <laughs> to kind of narrow down three to recommend to you. To Bianca's point, there's been so many great people on. I'm just going to name check a couple of people that I have heard on her show that I appreciate it, but with 178 episodes, I mean, there's bound to be a bunch of people on here that you like. Bianca, did you listen to the show that she did with Jasmine Guy? Because I was living. I didn't hear that one. <gasps> okay. Let me go back. So it is episode, let me get the number, episode 158. It's called Jasmine Guy, Evolution of a Revolutionary. <gasps> It's so good. So she talks about in this particular show, obviously Jasmine Guy played Whitley Gilbert on A Different World. I could do a whole segment on A Different World. <laughs> but she talks about what it was like to work with Debbie Allen. She talks about um, how you can maintain your authenticity um, and working in show business, particularly on, with a character like the one that she played. Uh, she talks about her close friend, Tupac Shakur. I mean, it was everything. And like, it kind of took me back because I haven't been following uh, Jasmine's career as of late, but like, it took me back to the nineties when she was at her heyday. And it reminded me of why I liked her. By the way, most people know Jasmine as an actress, but did you know that she was also a singer? <laughs> I didn't, wait, did, no. So maybe? here's your homework for the week. Go to YouTube, Ew. type in Jasmine Guy, and okay. get your whole life. She, she, she acts and sings. 
honey, <laughs> live your life. Jasmine guy, yes. <laughs> I I can't believe that I I missed that. Okay, I yes, shall. Ma'am. <laughs> I love it. I, I love me some Jasmine Guy. So that was one of my favorite episodes that was on here. Also, when Stacey Abrams was on the show, you know, we love Stacey Abrams. And I appreciate that, you know, Jamil's show is really not a political show. It's to me, it's more entertainment and culture. And I loved how when Stacey was on, she talked not only about politics, but how politics interfaces with the culture writ large. So I absolutely love that show as well. Just a few more that I thought was great. So Patty LaBelle was on <laughs> episode 151. And they talked about more than just pies, I assure you. But you know, um <laughs> Patty, <clears throat> Patty is multifaceted. So again, she's known as a singer, but her acting credits are are immense. Like she is, she's a really good actress and a really good comedian. And I don't think that people think about Patti LaBelle in that way. They always think about her as the singer. When she was on the show, to me, what really translated was this multifaceted entertainer, not just someone who could sing, but someone who could make you laugh, someone who could act and someone who had something to say about a lot of different things. She even talks about, um, uh, her her quote unquote battle with Gladys Knight. You you want to get into that tea because it was it was <laughs> really good. So Jamil Hill is unbothered. That is the podcast. She's a 49er fan. So that's why you should listen. And it's a really good show. So that brings us to a close for Black History Month. I feel like the month just went right on by. Bianca. But you know what? We don't need an excuse to celebrate um blackity black black black. We will do it all year round again. February is merely, again, the anniversary. Um, hopefully you can get the music and play it right then too. <laughs> so we will always uplift, again, all of the Black things. Speaking of uplifting, <laughs> and need to know, <laughs> and need to know, we review our February book club book, In Case You Forgot. By, Fred, by Frederick Smith and Chaz Lamar. Isaiah, <laughs> not everything is going to be a winner. Oh, I, well, I oh first want to say, no, let's start by saying something nice. So I know, I know we both have- You're going to have to go first. I know. <laughs> Um, okay. I think that it is, I think, and I say it a lot, like representation, representation is important. And also we will not yuck anybody's yum. So what might not be for us does not mean it is not for, um, you know, a late 20, early 30s queer black man living in West Hollywood that part that right so um so again what i i think any book that somebody can pick up and see themselves reflected deserves deserves to be uplifted right because there's for so many forevers um people didn't see that there were you know weren't necessarily now we had elon harris though (laughs) oh what a gift I should have chosen Elon Harris. You can never go wrong with Elon Harris. And I don't know why you didn't go that direction, but go on. Because I was trying, 
a, a fresh new perspective. <laughs> um, but it is important, you know, uh, to give folks the opportunity to be able to pick up a book and perhaps see um, see scenarios that they have gone through or experienced and how it plays out in book form. And, and again, going back to like all of these books being banned, a lot of the books being banned are um, books where, you know, black and brown and queer kids can can see themselves. So this, the, the, the thing that I will say about this book is this book, this story, these characters will, will probably um, touch someone and they will have an aha moment. Um, and yes, because the representation is important. Now you say so. <laughs> is this my chance to say something positive? Yes. Um, you know, these are, these are black queer authors and, mm -hmm. you know, I give gay men all the benefits of the doubt and I've, I've given these two as many benefits as I can. And I just kind of ran out of them midway through, um, that is the kindest thing I can say about this book. And you know what? I will echo Bianca. Maybe, maybe you and I just aged out of this book, um, Maybe that's just what it is. And if I, maybe if I were in high school or in college, I would appreciate it so much more. But the level of sophistication, not their sis. The level of like um, awareness, not their sis. The maturity, not their sis. I just, I, it was really, I've never not finished a book on, on this show. This was the hardest one, Bianca, because I was just, I was done after about 50 pages. Okay, so I was going, I was going to say the same thing. Um... I have never, the last time I had difficulty getting through one of our books um, was probably um, our last one, The Magic of Manifesting. I struggled. I know that was for you. That was just a hard book to read. Like for, that was a different read, hard read for, enough, for other reasons. Though. It was just like, kind of like, I don't know how to describe it, but yes, yes. I get it. Yes. Um, so to not be able to get through a novel, um, was 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 difficult for me um and especially because you know you kind of want to see where this goes or or um how it <laughs> plays out and i just and and there is a sequel to this book as well so oh my another, god yeah I, don't do that another reason why i was like okay stick with it the only um and so i will be completely transparent i did not finish okay. i have um less than i don't know less than 100 pages to go i i i do you yeah do you want to set up for the listeners the dynamic that's playing out here between Zaire and Kenny so that they can understand a little bit about um, what this book is before we get into it? In other words, can you share the format of the book before okay. we start talking about some of the specifics? Okay. So Zaire is um, late 30s. Uh, I'm sorry, late 20s, because he's approaching 30, um, newly divorced, um, Black, queer, very, um, he works for a social media company. So he, he feels very young and fresh. Okay. <laughs> They're, they also live in West Hollywood. Kenny is approaching 40 kind of just coming out of a relationship, got dumped via text, just lost his mother. Um, 
he is has a PhD. He just uh, left his job. He's he's kind of on this journey of creating his own business and consulting. So essentially, they are in like kind of two different um, aspects of their life. So Kenny, and then the the way the book is formatted is that the chapters, for the most part, go back and forth between um, Zaire and Kenny. Um, Also to note, they are neighbors. They live across from the street from each other. And so that's kind of how then their lives um, overlap. They have this very chance random meeting at a cemetery. And then next thing you know, they make it out in the kitchen. I just <laughs> like, what is happening? Um, so that's that's a very good synopsis, Bianca. And also at the tail end of that, your editorial about just the writing style. So I'm gonna read it. Can I read a passage to give to illustrate one of my key kind of um issues with the book? Please. Please. This I need to give a trigger warning because there is some trauma here. Um, so, um, trigger warning that there is some, some violence in the passage I'm about to read. So here's the passage at the top of page 53. Um, this is Kenny speaking and he's talking about an ex and the ex's name is Jeremy. Jeremy. Well, let's just say that Jeremy was popular and new on the scene and had the whole package. Jeremy had height. He had a six pack, a smile and a dick. And did I say he was 21? And did I say dick? And 21 year olds are not about that one person life. And we did the back and forth, the breakup, the makeup, more than once, more than a few times. And when we were gonna try again for like the 200th time, Jeremy was stabbed, mistaken identity for his brother. And he died in my arms. Blood on the ground, on our clothes, he died right in my arms. We were so close to having our happy ending and we never had a chance. We just never had a chance from the start." End quote. Kenny is describing one of his exes named Jeremy and he's telling the, the reader about their relationship. And, and he this was the second of a three kind of, he was talking about three different exes and Jeremy was the second one. He literally goes from talking about his dick in one sentence <laughs> to telling us that he was stabbed to death in the next. And I am, re- I'm, I'm lying in my bed reading this and I am just like, like I'm frantic. Cause I'm like, how do you go from dick to dead in, in two sentences? Like, did this really just happen? <laughs> did you say from dick to dead? But literally that is what happened. Bianca, I was so, I had to, I I closed the book and I was like, did the author really just do this to me? You cannot, you cannot place something as trivial as his dick next to something as serious as him being stabbed to death in your arms. Like I was not, I wasn't ready. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's... I was, after that, I was done. I was like, this is, this is just too absurd. Like, I I can't, like the emotional, like, like yo-yo, it's just too much. Like mm-hmm. you literally just threw in there that your partner was stabbed in your arms. And I was- And he was 21 years old. So he was also very young. Like we weren't prepared to hear that. It was just thrown in, like, like almost like an aside. I'm like, 
why do this to the reader? And why place this as a as an aside to something so trivial? Like I was done. Bianca, I was I was so done with this book after that. That is one example of the of the piss poor writing in this book. If you there's a way to tell a story, there's a way to kind of draw the visual that your partner was sexually alluring. And you know, I love that. But mm. don't put don't put those two things side by side. Don't trivial don't trivialize Jeremy in that way. It was it was awful. I was I was I was I was mad. I was disappointed. All rolled up into one. For me, um, that part, <laughs> um, it was hard. So one of the things that I am realizing too about myself. So that's why I hope our March book is something on audio because <laughs> I am struggling to read. <laughs> okay, um, but the the writing to me felt um one rushed i felt like every time i was reading it felt like random chatter you know what i mean like nothing even in even in that passage it 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 reads like like rambling so so i was like really having a hard time just kind of following (laughs) along because i was like where's this going and what just happened and then there having sex and I'm all for high five on your hookups, but I just <laughs> could not. Um, I just really had a hard time getting a clear sense of, of what was happening, what was going to happen next, how the story was going to develop further, because I knew eventually that their paths were gonna cross because they live across the street, wanted to see how that was coming about. And, and when I mentioned in the beginning, they meet at the cemetery. It's because Kenny was going to visit Jeremy's grave. <laughs> so bringing Jeremy and, and his murder and penis back um, <laughs> to the forefront. I just, I don't know. I guess, um, and if it said Nyjah, the therapist, one more time, we knew who that was. I was <laughs> so annoyed. <laughs> So a couple of things. So first of all, if you're listening to the pod today and you hear Bianca's voice going up and down, we're I aware am... that her we're aware of her volume issues. And I think you know what? It's the universe. Do, it. do you remember on episode one how your yes! audio was an issue? <laughs> hey, here think, we are again. I think it's fitting, Bianca. I think it's fitting that today you're having audio issues because happy anniversary, my dear. It's our. <laughs> <laughs> Please get that music because it must. <laughs> the stream throughout i am also trying to be mindful for our listeners i'm also trying to be mindful because i know when i listen back to our episodes there are times where all of a sudden my mic gets really loud and like i don't know like my volume is off and then it just seems like i'm shouting so to combat that i am trying not to talk as loud because yeah i don't think i want i I want folks to be comfortable I don't think it's you. I, I have a feeling it's the equipment. It just is for whatever reason, your mic is going high, low. And I don't, I don't, we don't exactly know why. So Bianca, from the very beginning, both, um, I can't remember which character kept complaining about the lack of diversity in, in WeHo in West Hollywood. That's the, that's the nickname for uh, West Hollywood is WeHo. I don't know if you've ever been, but it is a bastion of Lily White Queens. And so <laughs> I couldn't understand why Black queer men would 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 choose to live in that environment, knowing full well kind of what it is, and then complaining about it the whole time about about 
the lack of diversity there and then the type of black men who were there and how those black men weren't black enough. Those are my words, not theirs. I found that whole thing problematic because I kept thinking, you are educated, you are successful, you chose to live here, you could have chosen to live anywhere. So why come to this very white environment only to complain about the fact that it's very white? I thought that was so strange because neither of the key characters are from West Hollywood. They they elected to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was strange. <laughs> So did you, um, did you finish the book? Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. So because I, you... because I wanted to be able to give it, I didn't want to, I didn't want to come on and critique it and not have finished it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be fair to the author. So I, I, I stayed up last night and, and finished it. Um, so now I have questions about the ending, but I, I will, I will read on my own so that I can. <laughs> also be fair because there are not again there aren't very many books that i i don't finish um even with audio like i'm like all right let me just let me just tough this out right if i'm not loving it etc um again not every book is going to be a winner (laughs) what do you think as somebody who has read it all the way through what do you think could have made it better I'm not sure that I really was ever sold on the Zaire chapters versus Kenny chapters. And at first they were going back and forth and then sometimes they weren't going back and forth. And it was just, I could never really get settled into that. I would have maybe done away with that. And if you want to tell a story about, you know, two wayward souls who are star-crossed after having, a, you know, like a traumatic past, you know, that's a, that's a good template for a story. Let's just get to that sooner. Like, let's have them meet sooner when they both got to WeHo and let's get into the meat of that story right away. I don't know that we need as much back. I mean, sometimes, so, I mean, I guess be careful what you ask for. Sometimes we don't get enough background on characters. In this book, I think we maybe got too much. Like, let's just put them, let's just put the two leads together and let's get on with it. We spent way too many chapters in the background. I'm like, can we just get to them? Because I, I, like you said, I know where this is heading. They're going to meet eventually. I'm ready for them to meet. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like 100 and almost 150 pages in before they do. (laughs) That was unnecessary. Like we could have cut that in half at least. And Mm -hmm. I don't think the book, I think the book would have been better off for it. And then the other thing was, was this is where I really didn't like the book. All of these social, the book lives on social media and I just find it weird. So I was going to say, so I was going to bring up that point. However, and again, when we talk about um, representation and people seeing themselves. There are people, young, black, queer, whoever, old, black, whatever, that live on social media. So again, it is kind of, I think that there was so much of that, like almost trying to be overly relevant because I think a lot of our lives are, um, you know, kind of cyber stalking your ex a little bit <laughs> or seeing what they're posting or seeing what they're up to and who are they with now. There was a lot of that. And although that although that is um, many times based in reality, it was just too much. It was it was just a lot. Um, again, 
there are some folks that are like, oh, yes, that's me. I also, every time they go live, I'm looking, or every time they post something, I'm looking. I want to know what's going on. So people can, you know, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> Just, I wanted, I wanted both characters to be, they were written so dumb. Like their profiles are really intelligent profiles, but they were, but the authors decided to dumb them down for whatever reason. So Kenny is almost 40 years old, well-educated, all the, uh, sophisticated, all the rest. And he actually thought that some 19 year old that he met in West Hollywood wanted to have a serious relationship. Like, like Bianca. No, he wasn't 19. He was 29. What did you? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Zaire. Like not Zaire. One of the, one of the exes of Kenny. Oh, okay. Got you. Got you. Got you. Okay. Was, was, was super young. But as according to Kenny's telling, like he couldn't believe he was surprised. I think it may have been Jeremy. He was surprised that Jeremy had all of these multiple partners and da, da, da. And I'm like, but wait, isn't Jeremy like 20, 21 years old? Why would someone who's almost 40, who is, who is, who's lived, why would you even believe that someone that's 20 years old would want, I mean, come on, that's, that's not believable, not to me, because once you're approaching 40, you're smart enough to know how this works, and you're smart enough to know that if you got a 20-year-old partner, it's only about one thing, because if he's 20, he ain't, cons he ain't trying to settle down with you, are you kidding me? He can't even buy a drink yet, why is he trying to, like, play house? Girl, bye. <laughs> So now I do want to finish because I am curious to see. So so where I left off was um the the Palm Springs weekend. Oh my god. Oh I my god. Like, I was like, Kenny, why are you taking Zaire, the roommate, the um your ex's roommate? Oh, and the way he was pining pining over Brandon Malik, I was like, child, let's <laughs> can't let's move past but i don't know maybe that does happen later in the book um i was like why are you setting yourself up for this it was i i felt it was poor choice Kenny. after poor choice after yeah. poor choice and i kept waiting to say these characters they're bad their, their profiles are such that they really should be smart but they they're just not like their their decision making is fraught and questionable throughout um who should read this book <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Other than nobody. <laughs> Don't do that. Because, hey, there is a lid for every pot. This might be <laughs> somebody's lid. So maybe, um, maybe a Black queer man in his early 20s might <laughs> have a good time with this. Maybe, Isaiah, maybe we're old. <laughs> Maybe we're old. And again, we long for the Elon Harris days. This book definitely made me feel old. Um, and I, I just felt like I had no appreciation for it. And to your point, maybe if I were in my mid-20s, I would have I would have more appreciation for it. But literally everything about this book was a turnoff for me, from the social media to the randomness of it, to the poor, to the characters not really behaving the way that you would expect them to behave, given the, the background profiles that they had. Um, the lack of maturity just across the board. It was just, it was, and even the, and even the smutty parts about it, I didn't enjoy Like, it was just like, it, the writing was all over the place, like putting the dick next to the death. I mean, it was just, it was just, <laughs> it was just bad. It was just, it just offended my, my sensibilities 
on all fronts. So if I'm being honest, I can't recommend this book to anyone. And even if you're in your mid twenties, I could, I could name you some even better books that you can read in your twenties that are in the same genre that -hmm. I think are better than this. I mean, think about it. We were reading Elin Harris in our twenties and we We got so much out of it. Oh my gosh. I was reading it in high school and just, uh, just loving it though. So if if you had a 21 year old queer man, would you recommend this over Elin Harris? No. However, there are things in this book, again, the the social media, there's a certain level of relevance that I think that they were really trying to push. But I don't know if it is going to, I think Elin Harris, because Elin Harris didn't do that, it those those books and those storylines kind of withstand the test of time. Um, I don't know if if this will. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, but at this point, Elin Harris, those are those are classics, but they're beautiful. Oh, and the characters. Yeah. Um, to our wonders who read <laughs> or who didn't read. Yes, I picked this one. My hopes were high. Um, but I again, they have other books that have come out since. So I do really wish them the best. I, I want black people to get their things. So. Yeah. It's been exactly one year since we started this experiment known as Warden Webster. In this week's All the Feels, we celebrate our anniversary by looking back at everything and looking forward to season two. In the beginning, Bianca and Isaiah started a podcast. (laughs) What is your origin story, Bianca? (laughs) Sitting in the office. One day, so clearly BC before Corona and you telling me we should do a podcast. And I said, hell no. Why? And I was like, about what? And you were telling me like that you always wanted to do a podcast. Like, I don't know what you were, your pitch was originally, but like black gays who love football or some, something sports related. <laughs> I was like, y'all know nothing about that footy ball. So I'm not talking about that. <laughs> um, and so I was like, uh, never, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I never saw myself in that space. Um, and so when you, I was like, and then also I was like, why is he asking me? (laughs) You got friends? (laughs) What are we doing here? Um, and then I, I think about, uh, you know, when we talked about it, it kind of went to the wayside. I will remember, um, so the December, 2020 when we had our first kind of meeting and conversation i think at that point i what made me say okay let me try this out was i had been um a friend i went to high school with shout out to to josh muhammad he has a podcast called the people's podcast and he had asked me i think i was on it like two or three times um kind of close together and i was like you know what i kind of I kind of like this. And so I think that that's what made me come around to say, if we did have our own podcast, what the hell would we talk about? (laughs) And who was going to listen? But here we are, 53 episodes later. 
So I fell in love with the name before I fell in love with the, I fell in love with the name before I even had a format or concept in mind. Cause I was like, Morton Webster would be a great name for a show. And then it was like, you know, Bianca and I get along really well. We have a good chemistry. Let's see if we can, let's see if our not recording, you know, chemistry really translate. And, and it did. So that was kind of like the impetus for it. As, as I've shared on this podcast previously, I did talk to my friend, Sean, um, about doing another podcast on sports. Um, he's gay, I'm gay. And we were going to do like this podcast, you know, from the perspective of two gay men. We never actually did it. And so in between that idea, um, I kind of transitioned to this one um, because I thought that you and I, what I liked about our partnership is that we're different. Like you're married, you have a family, you kind of have that perspective. And then I thought, I thought it would be nice coming from two different viewpoints, me being the single, beautiful gay man, you being the married, <laughs> settled down black you're woman. So, you're so annoying. <laughs> I thought that juxtaposition would lend itself to like a great show and it mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was really kind of how it came about. So let's do Warden Webster by the numbers, Bianca, because some of these numbers shocked me. So this is our 53rd episode. Uh, We have had 3,704 unique downloads. So that means downloads that have not been repeated. Uh, We've had 16 guests on the show in the last year. And we've gotten at least one download from 17 different countries. And that was the part that shocked me. (laughs) Who? Why? (laughs) Welcome. We got people in Africa listening to this. And I just, I want to meet those folks. (laughs) Two, two. If you're a wonder listening right now and you, <laughs> and you reside on the continent, please drop into our Gmail so that we can chit chat. Um, episode 15, which was True Colors, is currently ranked as our top rated episode of all time. It most recently became number one, dethroning uh, the pilot, which had been number one for 11 months but no longer. So I don't know what it is about True Colors, but people seem to like it. I went back and read, when you when you said that, I was like, what did we even talk about? And so I went back and listened, and that's when we kind of kicked off and had the conversation about Naomi Osaka, um, Pride. Like, it was definitely an episode that, um, I think it was, it had a lot going on. <laughs> But there was, I think it was definitely one of the, our earliest episodes where we were like, okay, we gonna agree to disagree. I think, I think there was definitely some, some differing viewpoints in that one. And maybe that's why folks listened. So Bianca, I want to ask you about the moment that you felt like this really clicked and, or the moment that you almost quit. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm pretty sure that moment came. So many. (laughs) Um both okay uh i think it clicked for me probably early on maybe episode no i think it's clicked for me twice so the royal episode and i think that was our second one second or third our third one um listening back on that one i was like okay this is fun like i'm listening and i'm laughing out loud um this is better than i thought it would be (laughs) 
so that that was one of those moments where I was like, you know, we can actually do this. And this was early on. Mics were coming together like there was a rhythm was brewing. Um, <laughs> other moments that that clicked is um, or made me say, OK, let's keep this up. It's just hearing response from other people who have listened, um, whether it's family or friends or people who are sending me texts about a, an episode or just um, I don't know if impact is the right word, but the engagement when that when that engagement started to pick up, I was like, hmm, OK, um, moment almost quitting <laughs> was like I don't, those, all of those times. Where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck we're talking about this week. Any <laughs> any episode that I have to produce and I am struggling to think about what the hell is happening or what would be relevant or who would really care except me, um, which is just most of how the gotta do's are born, to be honest. <laughs> um, so anytime where I just feel because you are excellent at at coming up with topic ideas like you that just just flows from you in a way that for me i think it's because my own stuff like I'll, i just second guess a lot um so there's been times where i'm like are we going to how's that gonna work eh, we'll see whatever but then sometimes those are the episodes that i look back and i'm like you know what that wasn't half bad that wasn't the shittiest <laughs> it's going to be um yeah i think it's it's still i am listening and and still really enjoying it what about you fran so on episode four when rosie came on as our first guest uh, that was when i was like okay we have something here because not only do we have the gift of gab and the ability to kind of keep the conversation going amongst ourselves but we were able to ease into interviewing guests by bringing her on. We both know her. We're both friends with her. We love her as the sister. And so I was like, so we do, we have a way to kind of do this without stepping on each other. And the more folks we had on, the easier it became. And it's true that we leaned on people that we knew. I don't think we've had a guest on yet that we don't really know well. So we really haven't gone too far out into like interviewing strangers. But I feel like if we had to do it, we could. Um, have we, have we had anyone on that neither one of us knew? So in our orgasmic October, um, two of the guests that we had, um, Shani Hart from Heart's Desire and Chanel Jolly, our sex therapist, um, were two people that I had only literally met in passing so they were on a panel of an event that that i was at and just listening to them speak um following them on instagram after so chanel and i kind of had a little bit more communication but i didn't i didn't know them like you know dr miller who i worked with or amari mm -hmm. etc so it was really me just kind of sliding into their dms like hey y'all want to come on and talk about sex <laughs> but those were incredible conversations i was just gonna say those really turned out really well considering that we didn't had we had limited kind of background mm -hmm. with those people and while we're on this subject you give me a lot of credit for coming up with topics three-fourths y'all should know three-fourths of the guests on this show have been <laughs> procured by Bianca so you're really good at identifying who would be good guests and having them on and I have picked a few guests but most of the guests you've picked and they have been 
outstanding contributions to this show. So I think that's that's been your that's been your bag. I know a couple good two, three, um, four amazing folk, but so like, I didn't so, realize that it was 16 already. <laughs> so just as an aside, last night I re-listened to the episode we did with Kenya. Uh, and it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that one was everything because he was at like his sister's house. <laughs> So that it was bringing him a hot dog in the middle of the conversation. It was, it was a tickle. (laughs) Anyway, um, I never really, the only moments that I've ever thought about quitting was when doing the show became inconvenient. So, you know, you and I both travel a lot for work and for pleasure. And sometimes we've had to record like in advance and kind of get our shit together. And, And in those times, I'm like, Oh, this is now this is a lot of work. Those were the only times that I ever that I ever really thought about giving it up is when it became inconvenient for me to do. And I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts and Bianca, a lot of them don't last for the simple fact that life gets in the way. Someone has a baby, someone gets a new job, someone, you know, gets another interest and they just give it up. I'm really proud that you and I were able to do 52 weeks consistently. We did not miss a single show in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of holidays, in the middle of all our obligations, we put out a show every week. I love that. And even, um, I, I, I love that. And even the week that I couldn't do it and Angela stepped in and was incredible. Um, I like that we were like, okay, we're still going to make it work. Like it's, it's, we can, we can do this because you're right. There are definitely times where I was like, uh, child, that Olympic episode, <laughs> when I was recording from the lobby. Oh my God, I almost forgot. And the people in the back, we could hear the people in the that background checking in. Crazy and loud. And But we were like, you know what? No, this is coming to you live and direct. That was also the only show I've ever done tipsy because I had been drinking that <laughs> night watching the opening ceremony. So every other show I've been sober, but that one I was a little bit, I was two or three drinks in, but I, I pulled it together. Yes, you did. That was a very good time. But we... Um, I, I, I hope our wonders appreciate that we <laughs> do everything we can to continue to bring them this good things. Last question. Mm-hmm. What have you learned from doing this show? I have learned that um, maybe some things that I already knew. I really enjoy the interviews. So I really, um, and for folks who don't know, Isaiah and I do an, another podcast outside of this where we talk with great people, public health stuff. Um, and I I like hearing people's story. I like just learning things about folks that I didn't know. So I think that that's something that I always knew, but having this platform to do it, I love it even more. Um, and I also learned that I don't mind the sound of my own voice. I, I really thought it was gonna be cringy, like, Ugh, I don't wanna hear me talk. Um, but Saturday morning, when that uh, episode dropped, I am right there ready. <laughs> and um, I just also learned that that I have a lot to say about a lot of things. <laughs> and also learning. There's so much. So let me, you you one time uh, when you were talking about salt, uh, salt, pepper, ketchup, gave me some kudos. But I have to give some to you, even though you, most of the time you annoy me, you get on my nerves. 
Um, you are ridiculously smart and there are things that you and topics that you have brought that I have known nothing about, but you have provided the articles. You're like, look, read up on your shit, <laughs> get ready. Cause I'm about to go in. And it has been eye opening. I thought I knew politics before, but that is your lens in your lane. And I'm like, okay, now I'm even more invested. Um, child, all this astronomy stars and Pluto shit. <laughs> We've only scratched the surface. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, you know, even with sports, like I, we talk about quite a bit and I never thought I'd be uh, talking about that. Um, so thank you. Thank you, friend, for, for opening my eyes and knowledge to the many great things of this world. <laughs> I have learned, you're welcome. Uh, I have learned trust and you have definitely taught me that because I don't really, trust is something that I struggle with. But I've had to trust you as a partner in this endeavor, in this project. And you have, you, every single, almost every single decision until you pick that book. <laughs> almost every single decision you've made as well as this show has been amazing. From the, from, from the very beginning, from the music right on down, I've said it many times to you, you seem to have this, just this knack for knowing how our listeners will respond and what they're going to respond to. And you've never really been wrong in that, in, in that regard on, on things that really matter. You know, every book, as you said, every book's not going to be a home run, but like you really do have a sense of what resonates with the folks that we're trying to talk to on this show. And, and, and I have learned to trust your instincts. And so you have taught me that through doing this show with you is that it's okay to trust someone and, and just know that it's going to be as good or even better than it would have been otherwise. And then one other thing I've noticed just in our, cause I, I track our ratings. So I like, I like frivolous titles that sometimes don't really mean a whole lot to other people, but they might mean something to you and I. But I've noticed that when we title shows, when we call it just what it is, pe more people listen. Hmm. So, um, so when the show is named something kind of um, ambiguous that you can't really, you can't really tell what the show's about, people really struggle with that. But when I just name it what it is, like what that show that I call Prepping for Pluto's Return, it tells you exactly what the show is about. Good point. I've noticed that people listen to those more than they listen to something called, you know, uh, what would be a good example of something that doesn't tell you anything about what the show That's is? That's why I was surprised about True Colors. Because <laughs> I feel, I was like, wait, what? I, I had to go back, <laughs> rest, red ribbon, and retrograde. Okay. Like yes, that. it tells you exactly what it is. True colors. I said, that sounds like I have no idea what that yeah. is. <laughs> so, so I've learned that. So you might notice in, in season two, we're going to start to try to just name it what it is and not be cute with the title. So you're just, when you, when you read it, you're like, oh, I know exactly what they're talking about. As opposed to me giving it a cute name that only means something to <laughs> me and Bianca. <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we move on? Um, but most importantly, thank you for, again, the wonders, the people that are continuing to listen to this foolishness, sending the feedback, ideas, tips, all of that stuff. And, and, and again, sharing it with their friends because we didn't get to over 3000 downloads, just us listening. <laughs> so thanks folks for hanging in there. In this week's Gotta Do, we continue to profile our list of 22 things you got to do in 2022 to live your best life. And today we're focusing on my recommendation to take a week off and go on that trip. 
So Bianca, we have a list of 22 things that we're working through. This is the second one that we profiled in depth. And just to, to center the wanders, we're going to take two each month and work our way through the entire list. And so by the end of the year, we'll get, on, we'll get to all 22 of those. So the reason why I want to talk about this, Bianca, is because it used to be an American tradition that people would take a week or maybe even two weeks off of work and they would work their whole year. To, to save up and to prepare and to take these two weeks off work. And it became a thing. Like people would leave their jobs for a week or two weeks. And that was kind of like people like, oh, they're on vacation for the next two weeks. Oh, okay, no big deal. Somewhere along the way, we shifted into this mindset of like work can never really be put down. Oh, I'm going to take my phone. I'm going to take my computer. My, my emails come to my phone. I'm going to take three days off and, and, and work the other two. I'll, I'll start my vacation on the Friday and then take the weekend and then I'll take three days so I don't have to take a full week off work because somehow taking a full week off work is it's now frowned upon in some spaces. And so I wanted to just go back to I don't like that. I don't like how we've gotten away from completely leaving work alone not worrying about your emails coming to your phone. I took mine off my phone uh, two years ago and I've never regretted it. Leaving that work computer at home and taking a full, when I say a full week, a full five days where you're doing nothing but something for yourself. Now, depending on how much vacation you get, you know, I get, you know, I'm privileged. So I think right now I'm getting five weeks a year. So for me, maybe it's two weeks, but whatever you can, whatever you can manage to do, uh, whatever you can afford to do is what we're encouraging you to do. So a week, I think, is the minimum. If you're privileged enough to do that, if you have a job where you're given paid vacation, take that time. You've earned that time. There's nothing wrong with taking that time. You shouldn't feel any sort of way about taking that time. And 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 if we're being honest, it's a return to how we used to approach work, where not only that was the thing, but it was the expectation. Oh, you're on vacation for this week or these two weeks, and that that's that's part of work. So you shouldn't feel like it's something you can't do because the reason that you're given vacation time is because your employer wants you to have vacation time. And so we're encouraging you to take that full week at some point this year. And we're going to share what we're doing to do that. Uh, but before we launch into that, Bianca, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about why this, this chunk of time, a minimum of a week, a two weeks if you can spare it is so important. So I think one, two, um, so let me just go back to something you said about, you know, kind of how it used to be like that was like people just kind of you went on vacation, people respected that. I also think um, uh, your colleagues, your supervisors, whatever, didn't have access to you. So you mentioned something really great, uh, uh, a good point about emails on your phone, because once upon a time you took time off and there was no way to email you or to, you know, you weren't taking a laptop with you. You were literally disconnecting. Um, and now, you know, folks have a really hard time doing that or the idea of um, it's, or even maybe that feeling of dread. Uh, if I take a week off, that means I am coming back to a week's worth of work like that, that could feel overwhelming to some people. And which is why they don't, because I think there's even like numbers and statistics about the amount of vacation leave that people leave literally on the table because they're, they're not taking their time off. I have always had um supervisors that have encouraged 
that leave. I think that that makes a difference as well. I remember way back, one of my coworkers, one of my supervisors um, said to me, you need a big toe day. And I was like, what is that? She was the first one that was like, you, sometimes you just need to take a day off or some time off to be at home. And even if you're just playing with your big toe, just the idea of it is okay and you should be intentional about taking the time that you need so i love this idea of taking literally taking a week off to um to do whatever brings you joy and i am really um planning to do that this year so i usually take off some time like right before christmas but then it's also busy like i'm trying to christmas shop i'm trying to you know coordinate things so it's not really leisure um, but this time I am really like the beginning of the year, the husband and I sat down and we started to plan trips and, and, and map things out when we could travel just us, when we were going to do some family vacation and we've been inside for a long time and for no other reason, um, if you feel comfortable and the world is opening up, go on, get, take, take that time off and, and do it. I am excited about, yeah, what we have planned. I'm gonna jump around on this arc. I wanna talk about the cost effectiveness first, mm. Bianca, before we get to like our trips. So I wanna get your opinion on the idea of these staycations. So one of the first things I often hear from people when I encourage them to take time off, they're like, oh yeah, I have the time to take, but I can't afford to fly off to Hawaii for a week. And you know, even if I could fly there, I can't stay there for a week. I don't have that kind of coin. So I want to get your thoughts on, on a staycation idea, the idea, okay, take your week, but then do something for, for yourself, for your family, for your own wellness that week in, in wherever you live. And maybe, okay, so you can't fly to, to Hawaii. You got, maybe you got a car. You can drive to visit a family member, a friend. You can go and look at some of the, some of the sites and things that are near you that you always wanted to do that you never had time to do. Have you ever like gone in your own city and taken a, to go into the museums, gone shopping, going to the movie in the middle of the day, just because you can, like those, those aren't things you have to do on a Saturday afternoon. There is nothing more liberating than going on a Monday afternoon at two o'clock to the movie theater, sitting in there by your damn self with your yes. popcorn and kicking your feet up and watching a movie. When I tell, if you haven't done that. <laughs> in there with the rest of the seniors. I love it. When, if you haven't done that, you haven't lived because it's a whole, yeah. it just feels like you're like, it feels like you're skipping school. Mm. You know, the, the best times, like, like, so you've been to the corner store a thousand times, but going to the corner store when you're supposed to be in math class, <laughs> it just feels different. So going to the movie on a Saturday afternoon is a great feeling. But if you go to the movies on a Monday afternoon when everyone else is at their desk, it just feels like you're getting away. <laughs> I love that idea. I, I, I love the idea of staycations. I probably used to do it more even more before we had kids. Um, but you're right, just exploring what's around you um, or saying, okay, I'm going to drive somewhere two hours away. Um, you know, what else is, is in my own state that I haven't experienced? I love that. Um, I think there are ways that, so I, I used to have a coworker he would do a big um a big trip every year international so one year was china china's one i remember specifically but um and an older gentleman he was wonderful but one of the things he said was he would book that trip 
um, at the beginning of the year and he had one credit card that he would use. So he would put it on that credit card and, um, and so he would, let's say, book it in January for a trip that he would take in December. And he was like, it's booked. And then every month he was just paying on it, right? So it's paid for um, kind of his own version of a payment plan. But also it was him setting the intention of, I am going to take this big trip that I'm excited about, that I can do, that I deserve. And this is how I'm making it cost effective for me. And I think that that's what we, um, that's what we are starting to, to do now. Um, we're planning a, a cruise in November for my mom's birthday, but we're planning now so that we can, you know, make the payments that we need to make, working with the travel agent you know, spacing it out, doing what we need to do for it to be cost effective. If that means for some folks, even having a separate savings account for travel so that you are not getting to that point where I'm like, damn, I need a trip and I don't have any money. No, you're, you're planning for this. Set mm-hmm. the intention. Yeah. Two, two tips I want to pass along. It's always cheaper to fly on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. So always fly on Tuesday and Wednesday, because that's going to be your cheapest deal. The second thing is try going to where you want to go when it's off season. So for my 40th birthday, I went to Greece and I went for like um, almost 10 days and I went with several friends. I knew that the peak visiting time for Greece was August. So we went in May. We went at the very beginning of the summer. They did, there was fewer people there. It was a little bit cooler in Greece at the time, but it was way cheaper. So I was able to do the trip. I did it with all of my friends, but it, was, it wasn't as expensive as it would have been in August. That trip probably would have been double the cost had we gone in August, which is the peak time, versus going in May when it was at the very beginning of the summer season. So if you're looking for ways to be cost effective, consider going at the non-peak times. If, if, you know, some people prefer fewer crowds. So if you're the type of person where you want fewer crowds, then go during the non-peak. Just know that that means non-peak usually means the weather is not as ideal. It might be a little bit colder, a little bit rainier. But, you know, if you're trying to save money, you take a chance and maybe you get a good stretch of weather. So those are the two things that have worked for me. A lot of people, Bianca, like to coordinate their, the cards that they use so that they can get some points either on the airlines or the hotels. Now, I stick with Delta, so I rack up points through Delta with my cards and with taking, you know, lifts because Lyft gives points to Delta. I'm not really into, I'm not beholden to a hotel chain, but if you want to be cost effective, if you can align your hotel your airline and all on the same card, then just your normal spending will accrue you points. So in other words, get you a debit card or a credit card where you just pay your monthly bills, but you're gaining points on your airline of choice and your hotel chain of choice. And then in a year's time, you can probably pay for either your ticket or your hotel with the points. And all you've been doing is paying your monthly bills, your rent, your whatever. It's a great way to align your cart, your normal spending with whatever it is that you want to, whichever airline or hotel you want to support and make sure that you get those points for that particular airline or hotel. Love that. We just got, we just got hip to the um, credit card points travel miles game. <laughs> and so. Oh yes. It is a serious, it is, comp- it's a serious game. And if you learn how to play it, it right. It is. And now we are like, 
oh, this is how you do it. So I am, yeah. And that's how we're, yeah, literally we're being intentional so that we can have those points and things later. Exactly. Um, so we're not telling you to do anything that we're not doing ourselves. So Bianca mm. and I both have week-long trips planned. And before we get into this, I do want to throw some shade at Miss Ward. Oh, God. Um, I want y'all to know that she <laughs> turned down an invitation to come on my trip because she had the, the temerity to take her son <laughs> on a trip to celebrate his birthday. I mean, the nerve of this woman trying to put motherhood ahead of friendship. <laughs> literally my 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 whole big baby is turning 10 it is a milestone that is, a, that is, a, that is a milestone birthday it if is there a ever was double one. digit birthday it is a thing so um and just for clarification unlike oh uh, <laughs> unlike you uh fancy pants i am not taking a whole week because i gotta work <laughs> i thought you were oh my god now this isn't gonna fit into this segment no but i'm not now there will be a, I, I have some other things planned later in the year where I will be taking a week, but um, we're doing a Thursday through Monday. <laughs> oh my God. I was just telling people not to do that. Now, now explain your rationale, Bianca Board. <laughs> because the kids are still in school. That's okay. really it. I mean, you know, so, so there is a few things. So we are going on a Disney cruise. The kids don't know. <laughs> they i'm going to bring my you do know that grace listens to this podcast under her bed at night <laughs> you know what they probably do because those children are terrible <laughs> um <laughs> it is a surprise they're not going to find out until next week um because they're going to get on my nerves but um so a few things when we were choosing the activity today i knew i wanted to be away on his birthday um so that kind of narrowed it down plus again school so i we are thinking of like the week-long trip but more than likely it'll be in the summer um but it is going to be exciting i am looking forward to that i'm bringing my babies on so that they can give a full review <laughs> So do you Their remember cruise when we experience? Went, so which parks are you doing? Are you doing all four parks or just Magic Kingdom? No, we're going on the we're going on the cruise. We're not going to the parks. Oh, the we're cruise. doing a Disney cruise. So oh, so okay. So what what does the cruise entail? Does it make stops? Yes, we're going to the Bahamas. So one Disney has an island, Castaway K. Ca Castaway. Anywho, Disney has an island. So <laughs> so we're leaving. I know uh, we're leaving out of Miami. One um, stop is Nassau. So they're gonna get to the, go to the Bahamas, and then the other one is the other stop is the Disney Island. Um, so on the cruise, it is all things Disney. So there are um, plays and shows and Disney themed stuff. So some of the longer cruises, they have a Marvel day like a marvel at sea but we're not doing those um i wish we were anywho so i'm excited to report back this is my second cruise i haven't been on a cruise since my honeymoon so that was 12 years ago um i've never done a disney cruise but i hear that they're everything and because of rona it's only at 50 percent capacity <laughs> i was just gonna ask you that how you felt about the the pandemic situation because you know those cruise ships they've had a lot of outbreaks not recently but at the beginning of the pandemic so how do y'all feel about that they definitely did at the beginning. So what they have put in place is you have to be vaccinated. So we just did all of our documentation where you have to upload copies of your vaccination card. You also, you have to do pre-sale testing. So 
they have their testers um, before you even get on the ship um you have to do a COVID test before so what i'm planning and i got insurance i, I, I bought the that was the other thing too that COVID has made me do i was never really buying trip insurance before because i was like eh, i won't be fine it's just extra money but now i'm like nah just in case okay yeah so god forbid one of you have a reactive test even though you don't have any symptoms they're not going to let you on they're not going to let you on Oh my. So what I'm going to do, so our plan is to, so uh, we leave like that Wednesday night. Um, I have rapid tests here. We Everybody's going to test before we even leave uh, the state of Maryland <laughs> because I'm not going all the way to Miami to have to turn around. Well, if they don't let you on the ship, you can just, you y'all can be in Miami and do something down there that is, or get that in the car true. and go up to Orlando and go to Disney World. I mean, that is true too. That is true too. Yes, but we're going to knock off. You know what? I, on wood. Why, am I, why am I trying to put all of this like into the universe? Exactly. Y'all are going to be fine. Y'all going to get on that big old boat and y'all going to put on some Mickey ears and live your best life. I'm excited. What you doing? So instead of coming to do this with me, that's what she's doing. So I invited a handful of my closest friends to come to Palm Springs. We were just talking about Palm Springs earlier to celebrate the occasion of my 45th, what, birthday? Birthday. And so I'm going to Palm <laughs> Springs. I'm actually going for nine days. So you, I'm taking my seven and, and two of yours. Um, I'm going to Palm Springs for nine days. I'm actually going to go to the Indian Wells tennis tournament. I'm going to, that'll be my first time going to that tournament. I'm also going to Joshua Tree National Park. My first time doing that. And then just some other, you know, debauchery laying out um, in Palm Springs. So, you know, Palm Springs is a gay conclave. <laughs> debauchery. <laughs> debauchery i feel like once again because you did something else where i was like oh you're gonna come back pregnant but i definitely feel like palm springs will impregnate you i'm very excited i've given all of my guests the the note that we're doing bold colors so bold speedos bold tank tops everyone has to do bold <laughs> colors for their attire so you be better be hold on you better be in a cautiously optimistic tank top in palm oh. springs and they come in bold colors yes they do <laughs> get into it there's like a, a lime green and an orange situation you better be repping and when people say oh what's that <laughs> So that's what I'm doing. Um, and we encourage you all to give some thought. It's still, you know, early in the year, you're only two months in, you have plenty, you have 10 more months to think about when you want to take that time off. We're encouraging at least a week if you can do it and, and, and just take some time for yourself. You have earned it. And if you can't afford to go away to Palm Springs or to the Caribbean on a cruise, do that staycation. Don't let money be the barrier to keep you from doing it. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. All right. Episode 53. Um, again, thank you for listening. Follow us on the things, the Twitter, the Instagram, and the YouTube, and the Facebook, all at Ward and Webster. If there's something you want us to know, feel, or do, please be sure to slide into our DMs on any of those platforms or our inbox, wardenwebster at gmail.com because we're grownups. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share the podcast. Tell your friends and them. We are, they now have 53 episodes to choose from. <laughs> 
<laughs> wherever they want to start and pick up, they can continue to listen every week to new episodes on our website, wardenwebster.com, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, because some people are getting rid of Spotify. Um, but we are at a, yeah, we are on a lot of different places. We should do a segment on that. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> I'm not ready to cut the cord because I'm petty. I'm not loyal. Anywho, (laughs) continue to listen. We definitely thank you. Oh, and real quick, because I put this on on Instagram, but I just want to say here publicly. Last week, when I was talking about the movie Don't Look Up, I had the nerve to say Jennifer Lewis that black queen mother of black hollywood instead of jennifer lawrence who actually plays in the movie who is that young white girl i actually caught it in real time but since i hadn't i hadn't seen the movie so i couldn't really correct you but afterwards i'm like i think she meant jennifer lawrence and not Lewis, because jennifer Lewis is a black comedian yes she's literally queen mother and i had the nerve so i made a post um with an apology um because jennifer lewis deserves all the things um but in don't look up jennifer lawrence was lovely (laughs) so just for that correction because i don't want people coming in the inboxes like this bitch academy award winner jennifer lawrence too so let's Let's give her all her flowers as well but again they're two completely completely like you couldn't confuse them if you saw two pictures because they literally look nothing (laughs) they're completely different people and i was i was wrong i am always able to admit when i am wrong um on that note thank you all for listening uh and if you listened to every week thank you even more i am as always and forever bianca ward and i'm isaiah webster and we'll see you next week. Bye.